I want to uh, take time um, to read the uh, uh, chapter 5 from the beginning. Um, and today we are only focusing on um, chapter 5, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. But I want us to begin from verse 1. I want to read the whole thing up to that point just to get that um, understanding of that context. So if you can, would you all stand as we receive the word? Beginning in Ephesians 5, verse 1. Here's the word of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, this is your word for your people. This is a word that we need. This is our daily bread. Father, I pray that not only on this day, but each and every day that we will crave your word, that we will crave the bread of life, the word of God, Incarnate Word, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that 
Lord Himself, through the power of the Spirit, will reveal to us what we need to hear. And I pray that you will bless us, correct us and inspire us, train us, encourage us in spirit, in an individual manner, that customized way that you can touch our heart and make sense in our mind. We rely on you, Spirit. And I pray to you, Holy Spirit, that you will empower me to deliver your message and your people to hear you and obey. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in chapter 5, and uh, we had a guest speaker last Sunday and had a wonderful job, I heard. Um, now, chapter 5, we're on the second half, and the Ephesians in the second half is all about application, a theological um, foundation Paul laid down, and then beginning from chapter 4, uh, he's been on the applicational portion of what we believe. In chapter 5, Paul said, be imitators of God. Be imitators of your Lord Jesus Christ, especially his love, his forgiving love, his self-sacrificing love, his selfless love. Imitate yourself after the Lord in his love. And then the later portion, um, he also encouraged the Ephesians, the Christians, to be children of light. Be light. You are no longer darkness. The moment you came to know Jesus Christ and who he is, what he has done for you, the moment is gone. You no longer live in the kingdom of darkness. You are not part of darkness, but you are in light. So live as children of light. And what does that mean? Well, do what is good. Do what is right. Do what is true. Live in light. Do not associate with the darkness. And then, in verse 15, he uses that word, uh, walk again, which he used to begin this applicational portion of Ephesians. Walk, in chapter 4, verse in, uh, chapter four, verse 1, walk in the manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Walk, in other words, live. Live in the manner that is worthy of his death and his resurrection. Live your life that is worthy. Walk. And he uses that word here in chapter 15 once again. He says, walk not as unwise. Live not as unwise, but live as wise. That is the title of today's sermon, Living Wise. Now, I, I got curious about what that phrase would mean in Google search, living wise. So I typed it in and looked it up, and these are some of the sites, um, the you know results that I received. When you do a Google search or any, any search engine search on living wise or wise living, the result was not what I expected. The first thing that popped up, according to that you know, search, living wise has to do with conserving energy, water, electricity, your power, going solar, solar was something that it talked about, a, a lot of websites. Another thing 
that popped up was eating healthy. You know, eating, uh, taking vitamins, eating organic food, even growing your organic vegetables in your own garden was something uh, that came out of the search of living wise. Another site talked about living a frugal life, conserving your hard-earned money. That's being wise. So in other words, you know, it talked about, those sites talked about how you can stretch your dollar without sacrificing your um, luxury items. It's like you're saving money, but without ruining your style. And then there are some other things related to wise living, and it has to do with the senior care living. You know, like Discovery Village, you know, about your retirement, how seniors can live without a care, and that's being wise. So these are the things that the world will consider as wise as you live here on earth, conserving energy, conserving your money, eating right, taking care of your life, uh, planning ahead for your retirement. That's being wise. But here in this passage, Paul would give us biblical understanding of wise living. And Paul will mention three areas how Christians should exercise their wisdom in order to live that wise life as Christians, lives that, that we are supposed to live. So in verses 15 and 16, the first area Get right to it. Um, first area that we need to be wise up is our use of time. We need to be wise in our use of time. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul is saying, are you making the most of your time? You need to walk, you need to live as wise, not as unwise. Are you making the most of every opportunity you have? Now, Greek, uh, in Greek language, there are many words to describe time. One of the well-known word, Greek word that we use actually in English is chronos, right? Chronos is a time uh, for Greek word. But chronos is a continuous time, the time that flows, the time that is measured by hours, minutes, and seconds. That's chronos. Now, Paul did not use chronos when he says, make the most of your time, not chronos. The word Paul used was kairos. This kairos is not an unlimited time. This is limited time. Kairos is a measured and fixed time. So in other words, when Paul is asking, are you making the most of your time? He is saying, are you making the most of the fixed, limited time? The allocated time that is given to who? To you, to individuals. This time is not unlimited, but this is measured, limited, and this is fixed amount of time. How are you using this time? 
as we all know, God sets the boundaries of our lives, right? He sets the boundaries of our lives. What that means is our opportunity to live our lives for God here on earth is bounded, limited. There is boundaries that he set. As an eternal sovereign God, he knows the beginning of your time and ending of your time. And with that in mind, Paul is simply saying to Christians, make the most of your time. Make the most of the time that God has given to you. Make sure that you maximize that time that God has given to you for the purpose that he has in mind. There's a Greek, uh, ancient Greek statue of a Greek god. And I'm going to try to describe this statue. It's very unique. It's a man, and it's in the running form, the statue. It's in the running form. And on his shoes or on his feet, he has wings. And on his head, he has a lock of hairs on his forehead. But on the back side of his head, there's no hair. Only on his forehead, there is a lock of hair. And there is no hair. And he wears no clothes. Do we get it? So he's in running form. He's running, going, moving. He's not, he's not staying put. He's constantly on the move. And there's wings, so which means he's fast. And there is nothing to grab hold of him except the front part on his forehead. There is a lock of hair. And there is inscription under the statue. And I quote, who made me? Lysippus made me. What's my name? My name is opportunity. Why do I have wings on my feet so that I may fly away sweetly? Why do I have hair on the forehead that men may capture me when I come? Why am I bald on the back of my head that when I'm gone by, no one can lay hold of me? That was a Greek understanding of opportunity. It comes and it goes just like that. And when it comes, when you do not grab hold of it, when it comes, when you don't grab it, it's gone. But when you grab hold of it and take that opportunity and, and, and take advantage of that opportunity, you might be able to keep it and take advantage of it. Otherwise, it will move on and it will be forever gone. That time, that opportunity will never come back. And that's Greek understanding of opportunity. But is it not true about the opportunity? Your lives are filled with opportunity. Your time is filled with opportunity. And Paul here is pleading with Christians to make the most of our time, most of our opportunity immediately as imitators of God, as children of light. Because the most unwise, foolish thing a Christian can, to do, can do is waste that time, waste that opportunity in meaningless things, and half-heartedly serving God, serving the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place. If you know it and profess it and you believe it, 
And that is the life that you have received, the second chance you have received. And this is what, you know, what it means for me to have Jesus Christ and you profess. And with that opportunity, what do we do? That exactly is what Paul is appealing to. Walk, live in the manner that is wise. This opportunity, this time, will never come. Take advantage of it. Because only God knows the boundary of our time. Folks, we don't know how long we will uh, live here on earth. Uh, God knows, but we don't. God allows some of us to live and serve Him into our old age. But God sometimes grants only a few years to some of His people. We don't know. Uh, that's His domain. But the point is not about how long we will be here on earth, but the important point that Paul wants us to know is what we will be doing in the time that was given to us. What you do to accomplish that God's purpose in your life with that God-given time. Because Paul says, you need to be wise. You have to make the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, what does it have to do with making the most of every opportunity and has to do with the days are evil? Well, it's that much difficult because it's that much evil in the world and for Christians to make the most of the time, it's not easy. It's not natural. You have to go against the stream, just like a salmon going upstream. You have to fight through the stream that is flowing against you in order to live that life. The days are evil. It's that much difficult to make the most of their time that was given from God. It's easy to be tempted and it's easy to get swayed and waste our opportunity here on earth instead of fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. So first thing, if we are going to wise up as Christians, Paul says, make the most of your time. Use your time wisely. If God gave you life, God gave you this time. How are we using your time? What are you doing with that opportunity? Because folks, the worst thing that people go through, and as a pastor, I've seen many people towards the end of their lives. And their lives are filled with regret. Regret of missed opportunity. Regret of ruined relationships. And those are the two things. Not what I did not, you know, what I did not buy, where, where I did not go. And those are not the, those are not the things that they regret about. The things that they regret about. About the relationship, the broken relationship. Things. If they're a believer. They have this regret that I could have done better for my Lord. And I'm going to be about to, just very soon about to see him. And that regret builds his or her heart sometimes. 
first area, we must be careful. He says, be careful and be wise in our use of time. The second area we must be careful and wise is understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, this is obvious. We, we say that all the time. I want to understand his will for me. What is his will? Well, we already know general will that God has for us. Paul's been on it. Live your life in the manner that is worthy of the gospel. Live out your gospel. He saved you. You are children of light. You are Christ's people. You don't belong there. You don't serve Satan. You serve the Lord. You turn and you run the other way. That's your life now. What is his will? Well, live as children of light. Imitate God. That's what he talked about. Well, great commission. We pray for India. Hey, live out your life so that the Christ light can shine through you. These are the things. Serve others. Love others. That with love that Jesus loved us. Selflessly, self-sacrificely, uh, and, and forgiving love that he had. These are the will for us. God's will for us. But it's easy for us to be distracted and tempted to give up on these things and lose interest. We know this, but uh, you know this, this does not become priority. This kind of gets bogged down, and we know it, but it's not on the forefront you know, as priority of our lives. It's easy for us to fall into this superficial Christian routine without any thoughts, any desire, any passion with no effectiveness. We're just Christian by label. Label. Without seeking to understand the will of God, anything we might try to accomplish may be foolish, may be meaningless. It's unwise, it's foolish to achieve God's will without seeking to understand His will. When our priorities are God's priority, we line up our priority with God's priorities. It is evident that God is working. When He is working in your life, your priority is in line with God's priority. It is evident and it's unmistakable. You see God's hand all over you. You see fruit that he bears through the power of the Holy Spirit. But when your priority is against God's priority, when you make plans and you set your priorities that is not within God's will, you wonder why things are so difficult. You wonder why there is no peace, guilt, shame. And that you Feel no presence of God working in your life. And you have to search long and hard to see whether or not God is active in your life. Where God is just a secondary thing that you associate on a weekly basis. There are two ways, I believe, that you can discern and understand God's will. First way to discern God's will is found in His Word. In the Bible, we find God's perfect 
sufficient guidelines for us to know and how we can carry ourselves as his people in order to glorify God and please him. Bible contains the will of God, and we call that general principle for his people to live by. And secondly, this is what Paul is speaking, I believe. We can, he said, understand God's will. How do you understand God's will when you are, two ways, when you are living by this general principle, the doctrines that what he desire his people to live and you live that life and as you live, you are becoming more sensitive of his leading, his will for your life and you, you without really hearing his audible detailed plan, like you Google map telling you to turn, go, stop. But as you live your life to please God, to glorify God, and you make sure your priorities are just in line with God's priorities, as you live that life, every day you realize this is what he wants you to choose. This is the life you need to live. It's not complicated. It's it's not muddy. It's not gray. When you live by his word and set your lifestyle, make sure that go, credit goes to him. You understand. You sense his leading in your life. So as wise Christians, live by his will. And as you live by his will, understand, be sensitive of his leading and obey. Finally, for us to live wisely, Paul says we must be filled with the Spirit. You got to be filled with the Spirit. An interesting way of contrasting it and make that point. What does he do here? He says, he's, uh, uh, it's like getting drunk on wine. You know, it's like, be filled with the Spirit, and his example is getting drunk with beer, with wine, with an alcoholic beverage. That's his the point. That's the point that he is making. Why would he do that? Now, when you get drunk, what happens to your body? I'm not here to judge, you can say. What happens? You don't know? Okay. Good for you. If you don't know, you're good for you. But what happens, generally speaking? And not through your personal experience, but you would, you know, seen it in drama, seen it in movies. When you get drunk, what happens to your body? You lose control. Your body does not function as you wish. Felt that before? I have. Let's be honest. Let's be real. When you get drunk, you want to walk straight, but can you? No. You want to. Talk straight, but you stutter. You're no longer in control. In the beginning, as you decide to drink one glass, one bottle, what, what happens is that you were in control, but more and more of that substance fills you. That substance now is in control. You're out of that control. But soon, you give your control over to the substance. And that is why people do foolish things. 
well, they are. Otherwise, they won't do in their right sober mind. Being filled with the Spirit has to do with control. That is why Paul is using that analogy here. It's about control. If you are being filled with the Spirit, then you are being under the control of what? Of the Holy Spirit. You are filled so much to the point that it is not you, but the Spirit controls you. How do we know that you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit? Well, you will know that whether or not a person is being controlled by the Holy Spirit by listening, by seeing the testimonies of one gives about Jesus Christ with words, without words. Because the main responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to Jesus Christ. That's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, point to Jesus Christ, point to the cross. That's what Holy Spirit, He does. He never points finger at himself. He never gloat about himself, boast about himself. The Holy Spirit is given as a helper for believers to testify what Jesus had done for them, who he is, and what he is continuing to do in his life. Testify to the world that wretched sinner like me, a sinner who lived a life like this, came to understand and repent and confess and live a life for God. And they testify. By what? By who? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's main job is to point at Jesus. In the book of Acts, you will find an individual Christian or group of Christians when they are filled with the Holy Spirit the hallmark, the, the unmistakable characteristic of their the presence, the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit, they will be courageous and stand up no matter where they are and they testify to the world what Jesus is to them, what he did for them, and their before and after life. Look what I've done. Look how I used to live. Look how I live. But they're not pointing finger at them, but to Jesus. When you're filled with the Spirit, therefore you are controlled by the Spirit. You don't point to yourself. You don't point to yourself and, and say, look what I've done, look what I accomplished, look how much I know and experience." Or even, look, what I need, what I'm entitled to, what I deserve. That's not Holy Spirit speaking or manifesting in your life. That's not Holy Spirit. That's you. Being controlled, in control of your own life. And Paul says, that's not wise. That's unwise. Paul says, wise Christians are those who desire to be filled with God's Spirit so that they can produce a faithful, effective testimony to Jesus Christ in their daily lives. Testimony is not once in a while, Pastor Jason call you up and you give your testimony. No, testimony is daily as you share what Christ has done in the past week. 
what, how you can overcome and how you can give things, how you can focus on godly things, the kingdom things. Now, we can see three specific things that Paul mentioned here. The people, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what they do. Verse 19, they will speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They address one another. Now, this is not about singing. This is not about singing because he talks about singing right after this. this is, the focus is not about singing, but this is addressing one another is the key. Gathering is the key. The fellowship is the key. What, what do they do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit? They gather with one another. And when they gather, what do they do? They talk about sports? Talk about lives? No, they talk about spiritual things. They, they share psalms and hymns. They speak to one another about what the Spirit has done. This is a fellowship. This is true fellowship. I mean, eating and drinking, having that type of fellowship is important as body of Christ. Don't get me wrong. I love that time. That's one of the best times to build relationships. But at the same time, when brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ are gathered together and being filled with that same spirit, what we do is we, we develop deeper, closer re- relationship with one another by talking about Christ things. I mean, as a Christian, where are you going to talk Christ? By yourself? But how you can encourage one another and even comfort one another. And as you listen and, and verify and hearing this testimony of brother or sister, your heart is that much encouraged and solidified in the faith. That's what we do when you are filled with the Spirit. Secondly, not only we have gather and have fellowship, but we will praise. Verse 19, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. This is what he's talking about, joyful songs, worship to bless God and his name by the community of believers. This is voluntary. This is willful. This is not, you know, uh, because it's the, you know, first 15, 20 minutes we have to sing songs. No, this is the time that you give, you sing. Genuine praise, unpretentious time of worship. This is what people do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Finally, in verse 20, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they give thanks. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have to admit... You know, the month of May is difficult. Uh, it was difficult. And I just can't wait for this portion of this month to be over. Um, and I was telling Sean on our uh, island, we have these medicines. Children's Tylenol Motrin and Mucinex and all of these things. And there's Tylenol severe flu and pills and Theraflu and all of these things. I mean, it's been sitting there and it, it, that pile was growing and growing for weeks. It's permanent. It's sitting there right now. 
And I, every time when we gather as a family or when we, you know, to eat, to close the day and we pray, when I pray and thank you, God, thank you, Father, it's so hard because you may not mean it. It's hard to mean that. When your kids are sick and you thought you turned the corner, but you didn't. Giving thanks to God for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about the cross. When you think about Jesus Christ. When you think about what he has done. I think I can give thanks to God. Even though this was not fun. This is not fun at all. Yet, I have Jesus. Yet, still, His grace is sufficient for me. And who enables you to say, utter those remarks? You? Me? Because I'm a pastor? Because I've been Christian long enough? That you can say thank you to God when you cannot honestly, willingly give thanks to God? No, it's the Spirit. It's the evidence that you have spirit and say thank you in the moment that you can't say thank you. There's nothing good happening. This is possible by the working of the Holy Spirit who gives you peace, who gives you joy. When you pray, give thanks to God. He guards your heart with the peace of God that transcends all understanding. This is how Paul wants his Christians to live wisely. This is wise living. You can save your money. You can turn to solar. You can drive, drive electric cars. You can eat healthy, organic. You can just, you know, set up your retirement 401k, which probably is nothing right now after what Wall Street is doing right now. Is that wise and with eternity in mind? Is that wise living with Christ in mind, who we are in Jesus Christ right now, today, knowing we have set amount of time to accomplish his great, perfect goal? We have to seek and find and understand His will each and every day. We have to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And only way for us to do that, humbly we submit to the Lord, which is the portion that we will look into next, well, not next Sunday. Next Sunday we'll be at the retreat. The following Sunday we'll look into that. And that will be the key for unlocking all the relational issues. And we're going to get into that in chapter uh, later part of the five and six as well. Let's take a moment to pray. Paul says, therefore, look carefully how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, best use of the opportunity because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, discern what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And you're filled with Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. For everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to be in Jesus Christ. We are, and we will forever be. But Lord, it is time after time we look away. As we live in this world, we compromise. We set new goals. We set new plans, and we live our lives without understanding eternity, without understanding who God is to us, what He desires for us. And time after time, we make mistakes that we are the final authority, that we think that we are invincible. We think that our time will last forever. We think that we know the best will for ourselves, best decision. We believe that we can function by ourselves, and we're sufficient with small group of people. But we need the presence of God leading us, reminding us. Each and every day, to live by Your will, to rely humbly, to submit to Your will, in fear of the Lord, who died in our place, in reverence, in respect, in honor of who Jesus is to us. Lord, we live our lives together with brothers and sisters, singing praise and worship each and every day. Giving thanks to you in all circumstances, because we still have you, God, and you will never let us go. Father, we pray that all the things that we know about the Bible, all the principles that we know and we claim to believe, we simply pray that may it mean something to us each and every day, each and every moment, each and every decision that we make. And through it all, may we glorify you. That we desire. We desire Christ in and through me to testify your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for our time of worship. May you, through your Spirit, be with your be with your people. Speak to your people, bless them, Lord. Encourage them, lead them, and guide them. And may they hear you, and may they, in obedience, act upon you. Father, we thank you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.